Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. We are honored that you would be with us on this Christmas Eve. And uh, by now, you're probably familiar with the Christmas story. If you weren't already, you heard it from some kids who helped us to tell it here today. We talked about how an angel came and visited Mary and told her that she would be the mother of the Messiah, the one who would come to save his people. And then the angel came to Joseph, and from what we just heard, he, he looked at him and said, Mary's not lying. I thought that was a good line. And uh, then they made the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. That's where baby Jesus was born, who apparently was not as cute as some other babies from what we heard today, but uh, who, who knows? Who knows? And uh, we heard about the, the shepherds, and we know the story of the wise men or the magi. And we read these stories in the first two chapters in the book of Luke and the first two chapters in the book of Matthew. They're often referred to as the nativity stories in Scripture. But one of the questions we got to ask is, like, who, who are they for? Like, why do we read these stories? Why are they important even to begin with? And one of the things that's uh, interesting is to think about why we even have these stories. Like, who was Jesus born for in the first place? Have you ever been at a Christmas party or maybe with your family at Christmas and you're, you're opening presents, you're passing them around, and there's one of them that doesn't have a name on it, and the person who brought it and wrapped it can't remember who it's for? And it ends up getting in somebody's hands and they open it up and it's clearly not something that they would want or use. It's not for them. And you've got that moment to figure out who's this gift for. Well, I want to take the next few moments and talk to you about who Jesus was born for. Like, why did he come? What was his purpose? Well, let's look at scripture. It tells us in Luke chapter 2, verse 6, that while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. It's a very simple kind of phrasing and summary of what happened on that first Christmas. But there's some truth principles there that I want to jump out of and show us some things about this story. I want to talk about who Jesus was born for. Let, let me give you maybe some, some groups, some classifications. Let's start here. Jesus was born for the organized and the spontaneous. Jesus was born for both the organized and the spontaneous. Odds are you fall in one of those categories. Like even just right where you are right now, let's have a little showing of hands. I can't see you, but those with you can. Um, if you're organized at Christmas time, why don't you raise your hand? Okay, how about maybe some of you that are more the spontaneous type at Christmas time? And so you, you know who you are. Some of you have had your gifts purchased since the 4th of July, like you, you wrapped up your Christmas shopping even before summer was over. And then others of you, you were buying stuff online on the 22nd because you're pretty sure it'd get here in time for Christmas. And we have different kind of personalities that come out during these times. Let's go back for a moment. I want to show you something in the scripture that I think will help both parts when we talk about this. Luke chapter 2 verse 6 says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, we got to ask some questions. While who was there, and where were they, and and what are we talking about? How did they how did they get there? What time was it? For this, we rewind a little bit. If we haven't already read this part of the story, Luke chapter two, when you get to verse four, it says, "So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea 
to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Now, it's really significant here that it talks about Bethlehem. This is not just because it was some random place, not just because it would sound good in a song about a little town someday. Bethlehem was significant because it dates back hundreds of years to prophecy. See, God had let his people know hundreds of years before the birth of Christ where the Messiah would be born. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one from me who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Here's what I want you to know, and this is good for those of you that are organized. God organized this whole thing hundreds of years in advance. Sometimes you wonder if life is making any sense. Like for some of you, that's what 2020 has been. Like you're wondering, does, does any of this make any sense? Like I can't figure out how these parts are all coming together. You may be in a place where you're like, hey, look, I know that God's in control, but right now, I, it just doesn't feel like it. Like, I, I trust him. I believe he's in control. I'm just not sure he knows what he's doing. And we can find ourselves in those places. That's where the people were in Jesus' time. They felt like they were in a very disorganized world. If you think for the Jewish people, for hundreds of years before this, you, you can go back and, and look historically at that 400-year period between the Old and the New Testament. During that time, multiple times, there were these moments where the Jewish people tried to push off the burden, the oppression, the, the domination of the Roman Empire. It was a crazy world. It was a difficult world. It was a tough time. That's the world that Jesus was born into. And yet we've got to see that God was connecting the dots in all of that. See, God is organizing for his purpose a disorganized world. That's good for you to know. Because if you feel like your world is disorganized, God is at work and he is organizing for his purpose the disorganized world that it often feels like we're living in. So if you're an organized person, know that God is organizing things on your behalf, which takes to the other group of people. Some of us are the kind of people who are like, well, that's cool, but I just know things will work out. Like, I'm sure things will work out somehow. And you got to ask the question, if Bethlehem's the place, how are they going to get there? And this is kind of for maybe some of you who are more spontaneous, where you just go, well, I'm sure it'll all work out. How did they get to Bethlehem? Look at this. Luke chapter 2, verse 5 says, Joseph went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. How are they going to get to Bethlehem? God's going to work out a census. And then because they have to go to Bethlehem to register for this census, it puts them where they need to be. Look, God is organizing things. He's working behind the scenes. He's getting you where he needs you to be. And in all of this, recognize God can be trusted with what you trust him with. Look, if you're willing to say, God, I, I trust this situation. I trust this relationship. I trust this, this challenge I'm facing. I trust the year ahead. I trust my life to you. This passage shows us that God can be trusted with what you trust him with. Go back to the text. Luke chapter 2, verse 6 says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. The time came for the baby to be born. And the thought of time, just me mentioning time, stresses some of you out. Look, let's just be honest. I've been kind of kind as I've used the terminology in this um, message so far when I talk about those that are organized and those that are spontaneous. Because if you're organized, you have other words that you use to refer to those who are spontaneous. And some of them aren't that kind. And if you're the spontaneous type, 
you've got other words that you use to talk about those who are organized. And sometimes they're, they're, not, that, they're not that gracious, what, what you think or what you say. And here's the bottom of it. It all comes down to stress, right? What do we do with the stress of this season? What do we do with the stress of the time that we live in? And as soon as I use the word time, some of you felt stressed. Because over this last week, it's been the hustle and the bustle and the crunch of getting ready for Christmas. You have things that you, you need to do before the year's out, or you're feeling the pressure of the days that are ahead. And in all of this, what do you do with that kind of stress because of time? It's interesting, all throughout scripture, the Bible talks to us about time. You, you could even develop a theology of time. And what's important is in this nativity story, first two chapters in Matthew, first two chapters in Luke, you see at least 10 times the mention of the word time. There was something significant about when Jesus came. You see it in these uh, stories of his birth. You also see it when the Apostle Paul, decades later, steps back and he takes a look at this whole story and he shows you how important the timing was. Look at this, Galatians chapter 4. It says, but when the set time had fully come. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10 says that all this was to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. There's a lot here about the idea of time. Here's what I want you to know. God has perfect timing. Like whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're wondering about, you're wondering why am I waiting so long or why hasn't this happened or when is this going to happen? It's good for you to know that a God who is organized, a God who you can trust, has perfect timing in your life. One more example from Paul's writings, Romans chapter 5, verse 6. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. What's that even mean? That Christ died, that Christ then came to earth, that Christ was born at just the right time for you and for me. Well, let me give you just one maybe kind of small glimpse into why we can say that. When Jesus was born, we were right at that bridge that we have, have looked at historically between B.C. and A.D., before Christ, and then, and then starting with the year of our Lord. And we look at this and we consider it from this perspective, right? So during that time, the Roman Empire was ruling and at a very kind of, kind of strong, widespread point in its, its dominion over kind of the world at that time. During that time, you could go from the borders of Scotland into the frontiers of Sudan and still be in the Roman Empire. Never leave the political stability, the what you might consider peace, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace and the security, the safety of that time. You were within the Roman Empire. So it gave freedom of travel. It gave the ability to move unhindered. The Romans also were masters in transportation. They developed road networks all throughout the then known world that were both efficient and relatively safe because of their firm political control. What does that mean? That Jesus was born into a time that we've not seen either before or since that allowed for the immediate spread of the gospel to happen kind of unhindered throughout the then known world. You can even see this a little bit deeper when you consider 300 years before Jesus was born, there was this kind of maniacal leader, Alexander the Great. We, we talk about him. And he had an empire that rose so quickly and it spread with such speed. Now, Alexander's empire himself didn't last long, but his influence did in that he enforced the Greek language on people in that time. So during that time, 
all throughout the world, there were people who either spoke Greek, thought in a Greek style, or had Greek as their second language. With that in mind, that meant that the gospel could spread in a rapid fashion because you didn't have a time in, in, in history before or since when language could spread in such a way so that by the time you get to the end of the book of Acts, the gospel is pretty much spread to all the then known world. What does that mean? That God looked at the scope of history and he said, I know just the right time. I know the fullness of time. I know the, the going time for Jesus to come and be born. This tells us that people didn't see that at that time. They were trying to break away from Roman oppression. They were trying to move outside of the Roman Empire. And yet God knew that that moment was so critically important. Please know this in your life. When it feels like things are falling apart, Jesus is bringing things together. So key in this passage. Don't sell 2020 short. Like, I don't know what your year's been like, but don't waste your struggles. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know how you feel like maybe 2020 has kept you from things or taken things from you or the things you've experienced, whether because of a pandemic or politics or just what's been going on in your own life. Please know this. You can trust him that even when it seems like things are falling apart, Jesus is pulling things together. We're going to talk more about this in the next few weeks. This Sunday, uh, December 27th, we will not be meeting in person at Calvary Church. Our services will be online, the same place that you're watching them now, whether it be on Facebook or YouTube or on our website. Our services will be online at 8, 15, 10, and 11, 45, and also on WLMB TV 40 at 11 a.m. on Sunday the 27th. We're going to start a new series for a few weeks as we go into the new year called The Blessing. And we're going to talk about how we can live a life filled with God's blessing as we go into the year ahead. I really feel like it's special and important for us, and I hope you'll join us. Jesus was born for the organized and the spontaneous. Let me take you to another group. Jesus was born for the naughty and the nice. Jesus was born for both the naughty and the nice. You know the old hymn of the church, Santa Claus is coming to town, where it says he's making a list, he's checking it twice, he's going to find out who's naughty and nice. So which list are you on? Odds are you're, you're probably on both. We all are. And at some point we have to come to terms with the fact that our nice can never outweigh our naughty. Somewhere there's something that we've done in our lives that we know we ended up on the naughty list. And we try to be nice. We, we try to make up for it. But your nice can never make up for your naughty. There is nothing that you can do to cover over those things. Look, we all have the same problem. We've been naughty. We've mistreated other people. We've had unkind thoughts. We've wanted things that aren't ours to have. We make mistakes. We hurt other people. We say words we shouldn't. We hurt ourselves. We can use the word naughty. But the Bible calls it sin. And where that leaves us is that we all need someone to save us. We need someone to step in and, and make a difference. Somebody who can come in and deliver us, rescue us, save us from the things that are threatening us. I, I read a story recently about a region in China where wasps have come in and have been building these massive nests. That they've been referred to as suitcase size nests in these trees. They've located at least a hundred of them and these wasps are kind of terrorizing the people and so they're asking for a solution and so this company stepped in and said we think we know what we can do. 
So they raised funds, about 12,000 US dollars, and bought a drone, a six-armed drone, and then somebody engineered it so that they attached a small gas tank to it with a nozzle that has about an arm's length um, spread on it. And then, well, we'll show you a picture here of, of what happens. They're able to take that drone up, and when they do, they flip a switch and it becomes a flamethrower, and they're able to light up these, these wasp nests and burn them to the ground. Here's, here's the quote from the article, the burning ashes of the wasp's nest gradually peeled off and fell, and the surrounding residents applauded and praised the rescue team. Now we don't have to worry about being stung by a wasp. What an unlikely hero. I never would have thought of that, and some of you wished you'd added that to your Christmas list, a flamethrowing drone. What a crazy idea. And yet that's where their salvation came from, right? They needed rescued from the wasps, and an unlikely hero came down from on high and rescued them. Really, that's the Christmas story for both the naughty and the nice. Luke chapter 2, verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. A baby. What an unlikely hero. There's no way that that would have been the plan that I would have come up with. I'd have been more the flamethrowing drone kind of guy. But God said to fix this problem that we have because our naughty keeps us from the nice, because our sin keeps us from God. Because of that, he didn't send an army and he didn't try to impress us and he didn't make some grand entrance. He had to do it in a different way. Luke chapter 2 verse 11 makes this contrast for us. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Do you see all those terms there that Jesus has referred to? Savior, Messiah, Lord. He's the one who can save us. We've been waiting for him. He has all power. What a description. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. What? A baby? The most helpless of things? You're going to find a baby in a feeding trough. That is who's going to rescue you. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why, why do we look to this as the answer for our sins? Because Jesus came as God incarnate. That word incarnate means in human form, that he came in the flesh. He was both, and this is important for us to know, he was both fully God and fully man. Sometimes we get that a little mixed up in our heads. Like we start to think that somehow God just like created Jesus, like, like made him and then threw him down to earth. And the thing is, Jesus is not a created being. When you read the, the scripture, especially John chapter 1, you see Jesus is actually the creator. He wasn't just some person that God zapped with special powers. He was God himself come in human form. Why? Because there was no other way for him to pay the price for our sins. What do we need most of all? What do we need in life most desperately? We need forgiveness. We needed someone who could come and do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Why was a baby perfect? Because he was big enough to save us, yet small enough to be one of us. He was fully God and fully man. He was big enough to save us, small enough to be one of us. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Why? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, 
But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Here's what we see. Jesus came to earth as a man to do for man what only someone from heaven could do. He came to earth in the form of you and I to do what only God could do for us. Big enough to save us, small enough to be one of us. I remember when our, when our boys were playing basketball, there was a, a time where we went to an away game, this junior high years, and I remember we went to an away game and we're sitting in the stands, and um, as our team came out to warm up on one end of the court, the home team came out to warm up on the other end of the court, and they had this kid come out there who, no joke, this junior high basketball, he had to be seven feet tall, beard. You're like, come on. Like, like that, there's no way that kid should be out there. He was massive. I mean, here's, here's this kid who could just basically reach up and touch the rim, and you're like, are you kidding me? What's that kid doing out there? And I remember one of the parents yelled, check his birth certificate. And somebody turned around and said, we did, we did. He's big enough to slam dunk, and yet he's small enough to be one of them. He could rescue his team with his height, but it was legit that he was there and he could play for them. That's what Jesus did for us. He came in the flesh so that he could be big enough to save us and yet small enough to be one of us. My question for you is, are you open to allowing him to be that savior in your life? Will you let him save you? Will you recognize that you need him in your life? Which takes me to the next group that's good for us to talk about. Jesus didn't just come for the organized and the spontaneous and the naughty and the nice. Jesus came to earth and the reason he did, Jesus was born for the hopeful and the hopeless. Jesus was born for the hopeful and the hopeless. Some of you, Christmas just fills you with so much hope that you get started as soon as you can. Some of you are the sentimental types where as soon as it's legal, and I don't know where that legal date is. Is it after Halloween? Is it after Thanksgiving? Anyway, somewhere, soon as you can. Trees up, music's on, you've got, you've got the candles burning with the Christmas scents, you've got all I want for Christmas is you baby going in the soundtrack of your life, like you've got all that happening because Christmas hits you in all the feels, like it gives you hope. And, and that's what we see in kids' lives, right? Kids want Christmas. It's what they're hoping for. Christmas is a time of hope, and it's a message of hope. At the very heart of Christmas is this. Either you have it or you don't. <laughs> Either you know that hope or you don't know it. And I want to challenge you. This weird year that we've had, this crazy season, can you, can you hope for, find that hope, find the magic of Christmas this year? Luke chapter 2, verse 13. What do you mean, Chad, when you talk about this? Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Christmas is a time when we should feel the peace of God, the favor of God, hope from him. See, the whole point of this story is that Jesus came to give us hope. That's why God sent his son. You know the story, for God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his only son. He loved us so much. You know, I've always, I've always thought of the Christmas story kind of from the bottom looking up, 
kind of thinking of how Jesus came down to us and how he brought himself to us in that time. Except this year, I'm looking at it a little bit differently. I'm not just looking at it from the bottom looking up. I'm also looking at it from the top looking down. Like, what was it like for God the Father to send his son to earth? Some of you know our family and know that over the course of this last year, this, this fall, Ron and I kind of became true empty nesters and our, our youngest son left home and did something that he has uh, wanted to do since he was eight years old. And he's taken kind of a gap year from college and he has gone to another country thousands of miles away and is serving people there uh, for this kind of next season of time. And uh, we're super proud of him. We're excited for the things that are there. We know he's doing what's always been in his heart to do. But I got to tell you, it's hard, especially at the holidays, to know that someone you love is thousands of miles away. Some of you know what that's like, kids in college or, or someone that's deployed in your family. And um, that, that moment when we stood in the main concourse at the Detroit airport out there in front of ticket counters and security, and we had to say goodbye, and I had to look my son in the eye, tell him I loved him, was proud of him, and know that I wouldn't have that face-to-face -face moment with him for months and months and months. And know that I was sending him off to some place where we didn't know the people, and we didn't know how he'd be received, and we didn't know how they would treat him. And we knew that he was leaving the comforts that he had here at home and going somewhere else to serve other people because he felt called to bring them hope. And I got to tell you, I, I felt like as I was watching him walk through security and then go down that corridor where I, I wouldn't see him anymore. And when I turned around and I walked out of there, I literally felt like I was turning my back on my son. It made me think, what was it like for God the Father to send his son to us, to people who were going to mistreat him, to people who would misunderstand him, and to do it all because of hope that he would leave the glories of heaven to come and live in our hostile world. See, Jesus came to bring you hope. He came to bring you hope, to bring you life, to bring you peace, to bring you a reason for living. And I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know what you're up against, but some of you need to look to Jesus in this moment for hope. Isaiah chapter nine tells us what kind of hope we can find. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. What a great year to read that promise. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Where do you need hope? Because in your life, whether you are organized or spontaneous, you're naughty or you're nice, whether Christmas makes you feel hopeful or whether right now you feel hopeless, I want you to know that Jesus was born for you. Jesus was born for you. Luke chapter 2, verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And when he was, you read through the story, it tells us that they came to the time to give him a name. And see, the name had already been given to Mary in the Gospel of Luke, we read, and the name had already been given to Matthew, in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, to Joseph. And what Joseph was told was, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins.
He will save you from your sin. I don't know where you're at right now. Maybe you, you come to Christmas and you're celebrating because of the hope that you find in Jesus. Or maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel like 2020 has left you out of gas. Maybe you feel like you don't have hope. Just so you know, Jesus was born for you. He came to save you. Uh, up until a few years ago, the king of Spain was a guy named Juan Carlos. And uh, the king himself likes to tell the stories that there, there was a point in his life when he just needed to get out of the palace. He needed to get away from being the king all the time. And so he had a motorcycle that he would hop on and then he would just escape from palace life and just go out and ride around on his motorcycle. He'd always wear a helmet with a dark visor. He was trying to avoid attention and all that. But, but he would go out and he would just ride along. And he tells the story that one day, it was a hot day, he was out for a ride in the afternoon. And as he was out riding, he rode past someone who was stuck on the side of the road and out of gas. He knew he needed to help them. And so he pulled over and he, he helped them and took them into a gas station. And when it was time for them to depart, the person was so thankful and just said, I just want to thank you so much. Can I know your name? And the king was like, well, I, you know, I, I don't, you know, it's, it's good. You don't need to thank me. No, I really want to thank you. And they persisted and they wanted to see his face and thank them for themselves. So eventually the king took off his helmet, stuck out his hand and said, my name is Juan Carlos. And he said, you should have seen the look of surprise that came to that guy's face. Because that guy never expected that royalty would be the one to come and save him. That is what Jesus did for us. Royalty, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, would leave the glories of heaven to come and save us to give us forgiveness, to give our lives purpose and meaning, to give us hope. If you have that hope this Christmas, and I hope you'll celebrate it, that you will just sense. My, my prayer through this whole season has been that this service would help you to just sense and love Jesus more. But maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel out of gas. Maybe you feel like you need someone to help then this year, I pray that you will find in Jesus your hope. As we listen to this next song, would you let it stir hope in your heart? Heavenly Father, thank you for the story of Christmas. Thank you for what happened on that night so long ago. May we know the thrill of hope as we trust in you. In Jesus' name.
about the fact that Jesus was born for us, for me, for you, gives us hope. And maybe this season hope is what you need. Maybe your life has felt chaotic, disorganized, like the dots are just not connecting. And this is a time to be reminded that God in his perfect timing is organizing your disorganized world. He is putting the pieces together that even if your life feels like it's falling apart, Jesus is bringing it together. And if that's the case, I want to pray that you'll know hope from God in this season. And maybe you felt out of gas, you, you felt empty, like you're stuck, like you just need something. Then I hope you'll look to Jesus this Christmas to be the one who is your Savior. And in particular, I want to encourage those of you that when I talked about that naughty and nice, I know it's a cute way to say it, 
The reality is you thought in your heart, I need forgiveness. When I look at my life, I see the guilt and I see the regrets and I see the frustrations. Maybe this season brings out the the emptiness or the the hopelessness and what you really need is Jesus. Maybe you'd even say, Chad, I've, I've tried all these things on my own and I can't do it by myself anymore. I need someone to save me. Then in this moment, you can look to Jesus. I want to ask you right where you are, if you can, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment? And if in this moment you would say, Jesus, I need you, then I want to lead you in a simple prayer. It's one that you can even repeat and pray with me if you want. And if you would say, God, I need today to be right with you. Jesus, I give you my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your hope. Then as you pray this prayer from your heart, would you put your life in his hands? Maybe you're praying it for the first time, or maybe at one point, things were right between you and God. And today you need to say, Jesus, I need to begin again that relationship with you. But if you know him as your savior, your Lord, or if you need to, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your son to die for my sin. I ask today that you would forgive my sin and be my savior. I give my life to you, my risen Lord. This Christmas, would you give me hope in Jesus' name? Amen.